Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Something About Sports right here on Movement Radio. My name is Talon Williams. I am Chip Hazard. And I'm Roger Sierra. And today, ladies and gentlemen, for for this edition of Something About Sports, we're going to do a little something that a few people have asked us to do. So we're going to go ahead and jump on into it. This is going to be an interesting top 10 on the sports show. However, we're going to talk about the NBA. Now, we don't talk a lot NBA, but we will today. And this is the top 10 what-ifs in NBA history. Now, what-ifs. You know, we ask ourselves these types of questions all the time. You know, they derive back, you know, to, you know, like, okay, what if I didn't break up with her? Or what if I switched majors in college? Or what if I didn't get that job? You know, we the world is constantly full of what-ifs. We all do this. You, me, the Twitterverse, the biosphere, all of us. Everything is second-guessed this way. Every mistake, every triumph, every split decision, every entanglement, everything that has impacted our lives put to the test, especially when it comes to sports and in this particular episode, basketball. Everything from Jordan, Johnson, Chamberlain, some of the all-time greats will always have these types of quandaries surrounding their lives and their careers. That's why today we talk about the what-ifs of NBA, the top 10 what-ifs. In NBA history. Roger, do you want to kick us off with the first one? Um, <clears throat> yes, I can do this one. So the first one on the list is a question we all ask for, I guess since it ever ever happened. But um, what if the Trailblazers actually drafted Michael Jordan? Mm. Um, I mean, scenes like this are what we remember about basketball's greatest player, you know, Jordan with the tongue out, driving the lane in his red and white Chicago jersey with just, you know, the shoes that match. Right. Kids all over the country emulated it, dreamt like they were number 23. They even made a movie called Like Mike, you know. Right. But nope. unfortunately, Port- Portland, you know, the City of Roses, it should have been them. And what we mean by that is we know that in 1984, the NBA draft, the Blazers had the second overall pick. Houston had number one, and they got, you know, Akeem Olajuwon. So, I mean, it wasn't bad for them to pick him, obviously, because he led them to two titles. Right. But the Blazers picked Sam Bowie. And number three, Michael Jordan went to the, you know, Bulls. And they have six championships. And the Blazers, they have Damian Lillard now. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, other than that, I mean, Portland is known for doing some bad decision making you know, to get personnel on the like on the court and everything like that. I mean, that's what's what they're known for. It uh, it started with Sam Bowie, right? I think it. So, do you think? Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I say, do you think Jordan would have been able? If do you think Portland would have put the pieces around Jordan to make him what he was? Like I was fixing to say, I mean, uh, with with well, you see, even when Michael went to Chicago, they didn't start winning immediately. Like, I mean, it took a while. Like, totally. He had to bring in Pippen and a couple of other players around Jordan to help, you know, make, but even back before he started winning championships, a lot of people believe that Michael Jordan was the best player in the game. Um, do I think that he would have done just as good in Portland? I don't know. I mean, hindsight being 2020, we can sit here and say, you know, Many people believe that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. So, obviously, of course, they're foolish for passing him. But at the same time, at that point, you know, Hakeem, Sam Bowie, and Michael Jordan, I mean, yeah, I mean, this 1984, if you look at the 1984 draft, I mean, they were the top three guys coming out. And I guess in their mind, they're thinking, oh, well, 
we see things in Sam Bowie that we don't see in Michael Jordan. So we're going to go with maybe Portland made the safe pick, maybe instead of taking a chance on Michael Jordan. But I mean, either way, I mean, you've seen where it got him, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, in hindsight, yeah, it was kind of a bonehead decision. But then again, like what you said, Raj, Portland hasn't been known to make good decisions. Uh, Chip, what about well, you, Bubba? Uh, I, knowing Portland the way that we know Portland, I, I don't think that they would have had the uh, wherewithal to place the correct pieces around Jordan like Chicago did uh, f- to to bring a championship to that city. Uh, I mean, they would have had the best player in the NBA, but like we've said uh, a million and one times, one player can't defeat a whole team by himself. Right, exactly. You know, and if you don't have those those key pieces, those role players, uh, then you're not going to get anything. And a perfect example is like uh, Damon Lillard, who's in Portland now, you know, they, they don't have the key role players around him to do it. You know, they can only make it so far and then they get beat out by a better team. Um, When James Harden was in Houston, they just didn't have the key role players around him to be able to win the championship, they would make it, you know, every year, but just they weren't able to to win the big one because the role players weren't there. And I don't think uh, that Portland would have had the wherewithal to put the role players around Jordan like they needed to. Right. And if you and, and think about it in this perspective, also 1984, the 1984, 1985 season, you know, um, you know, the top draft, you know, was a keen picked by the picked by the Rockets. Uh, and in that season, it ended with the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA championship, beating the Boston Celtics. Sorry, Roger. Uh, you know, four games to two in the NBA finals. Think about that for just a second. If if for whatever reason they did decide, okay, we're gonna pick um we're gonna pick um Jordan to go to come play with us in Portland. Okay, let's just say at the time this was the this was the Pacific Division they would have to compete with the Los Angeles Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, the Seattle SuperSonics, you know, but also in the West you also had the Denver Nuggets, the Houston Rockets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Utah Jazz, you know, there was a lot of competition that was over in the West. Um and especially with the Lakers, that 1984 to 85 Lakers squad I mean, you had Kareem, Magic, uh, Michael Cooper. You had uh, uh, Bob McAdoo. You had, you know, Byron Scott. You know, uh, James Worthy. I mean, these were. I mean, do we do? do would do you think Jordan would possibly make Portland? I mean, which Portland was a playoff team even without Jordan. So would Jordan well, have elevated that team to maybe possibly pass over that Lakers team? You know. Michael Jordan being pretty much a baby in the NBA, and then you have Magic and Kareem and Worthy on that team. Uh, I I don't know, but I was going to say that uh, in the 84-85 season, the the Trailblazers actually had a better record than the Bulls. Uh, That year, the Trailblazers went 42-40, and 
right and came in fifth in the western conference while the bulls went 38 and 44 and came in seventh in the eastern conference right so raj i'm just i'm looking at all the <clears throat> drafts after jordan um Portland got Terry Porter the season afterwards. Um, and the season after that, they drafted uh, Walter Berry and um, Arvada Sabonis. Um, I mean, not horrible players. I mean, they're awfully good role players. But, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about how long it might have been before they actually started drafting people that would have mattered. Uh, right. I mean, it didn't. It took Jordan till ninety ninety one season to win his first championship. Yeah, um, that's obviously because they started picking up. You know, uh, they got Scottie Pippen and Ron Harper eventually went there because he was drafted by Cleveland. Right, but also, um, yeah, yeah, and also in that same draft, you know, was was Barkley, uh, Otis Thorpe, um, John Stockton was the number sixteen overall pick. Went to you know went to the Jazz. Uh, yeah, so there were a lot of good names that I mean, uh, which we can say the same thing about a lot of these teams. Like, if we're going by like, it would probably just based on Hall of Fame status alone. Just think about this for a second, okay? If if Akeem goes number one overall, okay, cool. You don't have a problem with Akeem going one overall. Michael Jordan goes number two overall to Portland. Charles Barkley would go number three overall to Chicago. Knowing what we know now, you know. Uh, you know, John Stockton, who is a Hall of Famer, would have went number four to the Dallas Mavericks, you know, so who knows what would have happened, you know, if that draft was, in hindsight, you know, if we went back and we redid the, the 1984 draft, how much differently the league would have looked had it, you know, been done that way in hindsight, you know. Um, that being said, Chip, you got the next one? I, I do, uh, and we're going we're gonna to ask ourselves, what if – Robert Horry did not have a clutch jump shot. Ooh. All right. So we all know that Jordan rocks six rings, maybe even bought the poster. <clears throat> we know Bill Russell has 11 rings in his jewelry box, but among these greats at the top is Robert Horry with seven. He's obviously not as talented, but he's wearing so many thanks in part to his wickedly clutch jumper all right so without Horry, the sacramento kings would have likely won the nba title forever altering that franchise's path without Horry, phil jackson and shaq and kobe's legacy would have a little less luster the same goes for tim duncan and greg popovich so uh it's safe to say the nba championships came via his jump shot and the game's history would be different if he wasn't so nails in crutch time. Yeah, I mean, he played for um, that 98 to, I mean, 98 to 2003 uh, Lakers team. So they obviously won titles there. And then from 04 to 08, he played for the Spurs. So, I mean, he played under the two greatest coaches of all time, obviously, um, and two of the best teams in the West ever at that time. Um, yes. Obviously, he wasn't going to be, you know, the big name on the Lakers. Great role player and definitely not on the Spurs with that team that they had. I mean, it, both teams were just so dynamically good and had so much talent. And, I mean, everything flowed through Kobe and Shaq and then through uh, through uh, Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan. 
And yeah, I mean, he's he's great off the bench. He did his job. That's what role players do. Right. Yeah. He he knew his position <clears throat> and he played it to to a team. Right. And it wasn't like he was just some scrub that they picked up off the streets. I mean, this dude was an eleventh round, an eleventh overall pick in the first round of the nineteen ninety two draft. Um, you know, he was he was a power forward slash small forward. You know, he could he could play he could play the, the three or the four. You know, depending on you know whatever lineup they wanted to go with, and he kind of. I won't say he started the revolutionization, the revolutionizing of the the player that can play two different positions, um, but he definitely was used a lot in making those you know transitions. You know, if if it you know for example, I mean he was six I mean six foot ten, two forty, you know with that you know wicked jump shot. You know it's very I mean you see it more in today's NBA than you did in previous seasons, but definitely I mean wait you mean this guy's six ten, two forty, and he can hit a jumper from out of nowhere. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the original. He's one of the original stretch bigs. I mean, he had that European style, yes, yeah. sort of ish, because the European forwards and centers could actually, you know, step out and shoot. And I mean, he did the same thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, it works. It, it <laughs> I does. Mean, I do see it a lot nowadays. Yeah. You can't really be a NBA. Uh, you definitely can't be in the NBA without having some kind of jumper. I mean, there's some exceptions like Giannis and Ben Simmons, but Giannis is six foot ninety five. <laughs> super fast and then Ben Simmons is just tall for a guard himself and he's got Joel beat the past two. Right, exactly. right. I mean he definitely had I mean yeah, I mean if it wasn't like like notable just in the playoffs. Just in the playoffs, you know, back in on May 22nd of 1993 in the Western Conference semifinals game 7, uh Houston uh played against the Seahawks with the, with the score tied at 91 late in the fourth quarter and the shot clock winding down. The rookie Robert Ory took a pass from teammate Akeem Olajuwon and knocked down a mid-range jumper to give the Rockets a two-point lead with 32.7 seconds remaining in regulation. However, Ori's heroics were not enough to secure the victory for the Rockets. So, But it showed right then and there, even in the loss, it showed, okay, this guy could make the shot when we need him to. Maybe we can go to him more often, you know. Um, in terms of the Sacramento Kings game that we that that uh, you guys that you mentioned earlier, this was this was on May twenty second of two thousand and two in the Western Conference Finals game four. Uh, Sacramento again against the Los Angeles Lakers. The Kings were up ninety nine to ninety seven with eleven point eight seconds left after Kobe Bryant attempted a game tying shot and missed. Shaquille O'Neal uh, attempted a putback, which also missed. Vladi Divac knocked the ball away to try to, you know, run the clock out. However, it went right to Robert Ory, who hit the game-winning three-point shot at the buzzer to give the Lakers the win at 100-99. to And it tied the series at two-all. Going back to Sacramento for game five, L.A. eventually beat the Kings in seven and went on to win their third of their three straight championships. Yep. Yeah, so dude was, dude, if you needed a big, there was a reason they called him Big Shot Rob. You know, because he could make the shot when it mattered, you know. So this was actually Ray Allen before Ray Allen, in in a sense. So, but we'll get on to that a different subject later. Um, So (laughs) the next one that we're going to talk about is what if Kermit Washington hadn't slugged Rudy Tomjanovich? Remember this? Well, (laughs) let's talk about it. We will, we will we will discuss. Now, gather around for a history lesson, ladies and gentlemen. If this tale 
if this tale of on-the-court violence and its consequences doesn't breach the walls of your memory banks, this instant, this one punch, went on to define the lives of two NBA stars. Cliff note of the cliff notes here. In 1977, Washington slugged Tom John events with a vicious hook that mangled his face and irreversibly altered both of their careers. Washington has been forever labeled a pariah, and Tom Janovich's time as a player was cut short. Try Googling either one of those players, and the punching will pop up, be the first, be the first word that pops up. That's especially essential considering Tom Janovich is now a championship-winning coach. So, if you actually look up Rudy Tom Janovich, um, he, you know, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the incident will be definitely talked about in his um, in his. But but you know, he is a five-time NBA Rudy Tom Janovich, five-time NBA All Star. As a coach, he is a two-time NBA champion in 1994 and 1995 when he was the head coach for. The Houston Rockets. Rockets, Exactly. Um, Now, let me let me go through. Let me find. There we go. The Kirk Wash. All right. So, during a game on December 9th in 1970, you didn't know about the punch. Say what now? Do you not know about the punch? Oh, I know about the punch. Oh, I know know about the punch. Let's educate our younger viewers. During viewers, listeners, during the game. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll have viewers one day. Now, during the game on December 9th, 1977, Tom Janovich was punched. By Kermit Washington of the Los Angeles Lakers. The blow shattered Tom Tom Janovich's face and elicited life-threatening head and spinal injuries, leaving him sidelined for five months. He eventually made a full recovery and was selected to the NBA All-Star Game the following uh, 1978-79 season. The incident and its aftermath are recounted in the John uh, Feinstein book, The Punch, One Night, Two Lives, and a fight that changed basketball forever, as well as in Tom Janovich's 1997 autobiography, A Rocket at Heart, My Life and My Team. Um, he also won an Olymp- he, he was also the head coach of the 2000 uh, Olympic team, also. So if that gives you guys any thing. So I'm, I'm, for those of you, I mean, we've all seen the punch. What do you guys think? I mean, he broke i think it was his uh orbital um caused some brain leakage hemorrhaging broke his nose um and oh and his jaw so i mean he pretty much just yeah it was his nose was broken his jaw was broken skull fractured and he had some spinal fluid leakage mm. from a from a punch <laughs> exactly but so oh it hands of stones over there apparently i know right yep <laughs> Hey, that's that's where Ronnie Garvin got his gimmick from. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but it's so. It, what's what's ironic is uh, Tom Janovich was not the first person that Washington hit during this brawl. He actually uh, hit Kevin Kernett first. Yeah, he did. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it actually uh, it kind of it was kind of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's fault uh, because he grabbed Kernet to get him away from the scuffle, and uh, Washington 
punched uh, Kern at first, which brought him down to a knee. And then Tomjanovic started running towards the altercation, not knowing that he intended to break up the fight. Washington then hit Tomjanovic with the short right hand that damn near killed him. <clears throat> so it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, it says that the, uh, when Tomjanovic collapsed, the absence of sound at the arena, which was filled with shocked fans was the loudest silence you have ever heard. Reporters heard the sound of the punch all the way in the second floor press box. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, now, to Tom Jonovich's credit, he was able to get up and walk away. Uh, but, you know, we, we know that he didn't play ball for quite a while again. Yeah, but I mean, he went on to better stuff, though. Exactly. Yeah. Because, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Ouch, my elbow. <laughs> uh, Just nailed it on the desk corner. Mm, yeah. Um, Washington never... Um, he never accomplished anything. No. Uh, made it to the playoffs uh, three years. Uh, one year with the Lakers and two years with Portland, but never won a championship. Hmm. Yeah, so he had more success as a coach, obviously, than he did as a player. Which most of the, most of the time that happens, though. I mean, normally, if you're, you know, players who turn into coaches, a lot of times some of the best coaches were, you know, guys that didn't really have that good of careers, and sometimes – the players who do become coaches, I mean, there's rare exceptions, but sometimes the players that do become coaches really don't have good coaching success, you know? Right. Yeah. All righty. So. That being said. Raj, you got next up. Uh, this one I still talk about two to stay. <laughs> yes. uh, the next one is from the 2003 draft, which is one of the most stacked drafts of all time. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I, I, I can probably feel people who are listening to this already hit their soul when they think about oh, it. Oh, yes. What if the Pistons didn't draft old Darko Milicic? Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. I mean, people are face palming, rolling their eyes, cussing, depending if they're Pistons fans or not. Um, it just, it really doesn't matter because, I mean, everything's a possible right reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, 2003, the Pistons drafted Darko instead of Carmel Anthony, Dwayne Wade, or Chris Bosh. Yeah, they took the old <laughs> human victory cigar. Hey, that man got paid, though. Oh, I ain't saying he didn't get paid. Hey, but... you know you know what, though? People could talk shit about Darko all, all they want. That man got a championship before LeBron, D-Wade, Okay, first uh, of all, he didn't get the championship. He was His on the team. team. He was on the Doesn't team. Doesn't matter. He he didn't get it. He wasn't out there making the <laughs> points. You're right. But then again, but, but, I mean, that was the 2003 uh, Pistons team that had Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Rashid, uh, Tayshawn Prince was coming into his own, Chauncey Billups, who was the MVP of the finals. And they beat a team that was that everyone said was the quote unquote which I think was the original quote-unquote super team, if you really want to go there, 
of Shaq, Kobe, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, you know, they, it, you know, that was back when Malone and uh, Payton were ring chasing, you know. Um, I mean, everybody's ring chasing and wondering like there's 40s. And still blame. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, I mean, but here, here's my thing. And, 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 and I've had, I had a conversation with, with, with somebody about this years ago, but imagine, let's just say the Pistons did draft Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh. Let's, let's just say, cause we all know Cleveland was taking LeBron. That's, that's a given. We all knew Cleveland was taking LeBron James. What people don't feel to, what people fail to realize the head coach was Larry Brown. Larry Brown did not like playing rookies. For whatever reason, Larry Brown did not like playing rookies. So if Carmelo Anthony, D. Wade, Chris Bosh did get drafted to the Detroit Pistons, would they be immediate starters? Would, On that team, yes. But, 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 but like I said before, there's the caveat that Larry Brown did not play rookies. So I mean that may be true, but if I got Carmelo Anthony and my I got two shooters, I'm at a third shooter because ain't nobody going to take up that paint from the the Wallace brothers, even though they're not brothers. I mean, Carmelo back in the day wasn't missing shots, right? So you have Chauncey and Carmelo out here just shooting all day. You got a point, and I agree with you. But my whole thing is that with the you got to remember, Larry Brown had that old school mentality of you know i'd rather stay stay with my proven guys and let's just say carmelo or d wade or whoever did get the opportunity how many points would they get and provided that they dig enough they would have to utilize their talent in such a small amount of time could carmelo d wade or chris bosh elevate obviously they would elevate because they were all four all three of them were amazing players they could have elevated in the time frame that they had but larry brown giving them that opportunity that that would still be that would remain to be seen because I don't think because I feel like Larry Brown was so stuck in his ways that he wouldn't regardless of who uh Joe Dumars drafted it wouldn't have mattered because he wouldn't have played he wouldn't have given them an opportunity anyway because that was just Larry Brown's way of playing the game you know Chip what's you? so uh well I I, I was one second, I want to make a caveat to what you said just a minute ago. Okay. What you believe to be the 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 first NBA super team, okay? I, I just looked it up. By super team standards, there have only been four in modern NBA history. Okay, and modern NBA history is going back to what year? Uh, it, 91, 92? This, yeah. Okay. Um, so... That would be the the 07 to 2012 Boston Celtics with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. And Rondo. Right. Yeah, but Rondo was drafted. But, that's 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 this that's different. Well, Paul Pierce was drafted as well. Yeah. But he was drafted by the Celtics. So Kevin Garnett, huh? So was Rondo. Th- yeah. That's what I'm saying. But Rondo came on a little bit later, though. That's what I'm saying. Kevin Garnett right. went and then Ray Allen went. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. Uh, the 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. The 14 to 17 Cleveland Cavaliers with Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. And 
the 16 to 19 Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant. Those are the only four teams considered super teams. Can I can uh, I throw something out real quick? I know I know it's going to sound. It, it, now, well, go ahead. There are there are four teams considered super teams of the past. You've got the um, eighty-two to eighty-six. 76ers with uh, Irving, Jones, Malone, and Cheers. Okay. Or Cheeks, I'm sorry. Yep. The uh, 82 to 89 Lakers. The Showtime Lakers. Showtime Lakers, yep. yep. <clears throat> the 83 to 90 Boston Celtics. Yeah, Larry Bird, Denny Ainge, um, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Most, I mean, a few of them were drafted there. So, uh, let's see. Uh, two, two of them. Yeah. Bird and McHale were drafted. Uh, Parrish, Parrish and came Johnson over. Were traded for. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the ninety-five to ninety-eight Chicago Bulls are um considered super teams of old here here's my hot take and it's going to be a hot take and people might disagree with me and if you do agree i would love to understand the other side okay i don't consider the i don't consider the golden state warriors of the past five years i don't really consider them a super team and the reason why let me explain why please do i think I think to me a super team is where you have one superstar and you bring in other superstars like multiple superstars, okay? Clay, Steph, and Draymond, all three great players were drafted by the team. And really the only thing they did was just bring in Kevin Durant. They just brought in one person. They already had a nucleus of a championship team. They won the championship in 2015. So and then made it back to the finals the very next year. So is it really a super team to bring in just one more person? Granted, you brought in a, a top three player in Kevin Durant, so but is it really technically saying, a super? Is it really technically a super team because all of those guys were drafted by the by the same team? It would be different. Okay. It would be different if it was Steph Curry's team and then Draymond came from Indian Indiana and Clay came from Miami and then they got Kevin Durant from OKC. You know, and and again, if I'm wrong, please explain to me why it's different. So would uh, Kobe Lakers, Kobe and Shaq Lakers, not be a super team, or would they? Well, hold on, because it lists failed super teams. Oh, okay. There's four of those. Okay, <clears throat> the '98, '99 Houston Rockets with Elijah Wan, Barkley, and Scottie Pippen. Yeah, such an old team. Yes, the <laughs> '03 to '04 Lakers. Yep. Bryant, O'Neal, Malone, and Peyton. Yep. They lost in the finals to uh, Detroit. The 2012-2013 Lakers with uh, Kobe Bryant, Paul, Paul Gasol, uh, Saul, and Andrew Bynum. D- uh, uh, Dwight Howard and uh, Steve Nash. Oh, yeah. Dwight Howard, that's what yeah. it was because yep. Andrew Bynum they left. Were, they were swept by the Spurs in the first round. But, but uh, old Nash uh, had a back injury. He was out for a lot of the season. Yeah. yeah, but the Lakers, but uh, but but that same Kobe team, all they did was add Andrew Bynum, and then but they did win the championship with Kobe, Paul Gasol, and Bynum. 
Andrew Bynum was already gone by then. He was on that team before. Yeah. No, no. I, I, no, uh, I think he won a championship with Kobe. He did. He won it before Dwight Howard came over. Okay. Oh, so that was okay. So this was pre. They won the titles pre uh, Dwight Howard. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Dwight Howard just got his first chip with um, LA. Yep. Uh, and then the fourth failed super team is the 2017-2018 Oklahoma City Thunder with uh, Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. <clears throat> they lost to the Jazz in the first round. Okay. So my question yet again is, does the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers not count as a super team or are they? They're they're counted as a failed super team. No, I'm, I'm not talking about the. Oh oh oh. You're talking I'm about, talking about, talking about the championship, with... the championship years. Yeah, because neither one technically were drafted by that team. I mean, I guess they could be. I mean, I guess you could be. I mean, I guess, but I mean, but here's the thing. Yes, Kobe was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, but then they immediately traded him to. Uh, oh, there's another what if. Maybe it's on this list. I haven't. I haven't. We haven't looked at the list, ladies and gentlemen. So we don't know if that's that's going to be on here or not. But. I mean, he never technically played in Charlotte, so he was he's he's always been a Laker in my eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely Shaq coming over from Orlando definitely helped things. Would it be a super team? I don't know. I, I guess I mean, if he was the only star that came over, and but they still won championships. They didn't win until he got there, and he was a three-time Finals MVP and three-time Final Champion. Yeah. But that, but, 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 but that's a duo, though. I mean, who else on that team? That who else was on that team besides Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, uh, Gary Payton? Gary Payton, but he was on the Gary was Payton. Wait, wait, Gary Payton was with the Lakers doing that three peat. Uh, no, 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 very no, afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, afterwards. Okay. I'm just, I just, I, I need to understand, like. If you're drafted by a team and you stay with that team and you win a championship with that team and multiple people who were great players that season, okay, you, is, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss is Jordan Is Jordan's last repeat, 3P, a super team? Well, they had. 95 they to 98. It, yeah, since they brought most players over. Since it was always, they, yeah. they are counted as a, uh, a super team of the past. Because Jordan was drafted, Pippen was drafted, but then they no brought... Pippen was traded. No, no, no. I'm talking Pippen about no during that '96, '97. Pippen was pit, first picked by uh, SuperSonics and traded. Okay. Yeah. They did not actually draft him. They traded up for him, no. or they traded for him later. Okay. And then they then, then they, they brought in Rodman. Rodman. But, yep. Okay, but did, but did Kerr. so did Pippen have a season in Seattle? Did he play a season as a SuperSonic? I uh, think so. No, he traded it before the season actually started. Okay, then okay, that's what I'm saying. So so I don't consider him even though you may dr- be drafted like okay, that's like saying okay, Trey Young is a Dallas Maverick and Lucas an Atlanta Hawk even though they've never played. They were drafted by the team that they never played for. You see what I'm saying? It, it, I don't look at it that way. Like I like okay, you may be drafted by this team, but if your very first game is in a whatever your very first game is in whatever uniform, like that's the team you start with regardless of who drafted you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, the way you said it, that a super uh, super team is bringing in stars, one player bringing in stars, or one player and other stars come to it. I, I, I guess it's the way you want to look at it, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I think just because Kobe uh, – no, I'm sorry, not Kobe. Uh, because Steph, 
Clay and Draymond were all there and all drafted by the team, won a championship without Kevin Durant, um, you know, kind of established that nucleus of the team, you know, and then they bring in Kevin Durant two years later. Now, granted, Kevin Durant did go with, they go, they go to two more finals, one, two finals, and then he was back to back MVP. So obviously, yeah. I mean, you can say in, in, in the, in that kind of grand scheme. Okay. Yeah. It, it is technically considered a super team. I mean, they were unbeatable obviously for the most part. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think it's different as like homegrown talent compared to like gathering talent. Does that make, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I understand like, but you can still be a drafted team and be a super team. Cause look at the Spurs. That's true. That's like they're the perfect example of a drafted super team. I mean, just like the Warriors pretty much after them, but the Spurs did it first. Right. right. Okay. Uh, see who's next. Chip, you got the next one. I think it's chip. I, yeah, I do. So uh, next up, we're going to talk about what if John Havlicek had not stolen the ball? So no need here for play-by-play. The video covers that rather legendarily. This is one of the seminal moments of NBA history, one that helped shape the legacies of Bill Russell and Red Arbach and Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, He came up on the losing side. John Havlicek's name doesn't have the same cachet, but without his play, the Celtics' run is not as grand, which in turn dilutes and changes the history surrounding the league itself for decades to come. Agree or disagree? Oh, definitely agree. Definitely I mean, agree. If he doesn't steal the ball. Um, they pretty much, wow, that, that happened 50 years ago. I just thinking about it. Jeez. Wow, Jesus Christ. Um, exactly. It's actually almost near 60 years. It actually happened, uh, I think, in 55, 65, 55, 65. One of them yeah. two years. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, I mean, for the people that don't know, what happened is, um, obviously, Havlicek stole the ball um, f- during the finals game. I can't remember which game it was. It's so long ago, and there's not really much tape on games back then. Um, but to steal the ball is it, right at the final seconds of the game. Um, and literally, as he steals the ball on the inbound from the Lakers, the fans are already rushing the court. Like, I don't know how the rest didn't actually penalize that and make it go back. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, he taps the ball, steals, and it goes into steal um, on inbound. Uh, they were trying to throw it down the court. Uh, I mean, and then, obviously, Bill Russell has 11 championships for a reason. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people believe that John Havlicek is, without a doubt, and this is in a lot of people's opinion, if if he's not the number one, he is definitely in the top three of greatest defensive players in the history of the game. I mean, his his knack for getting the ball, um, not so much on the offensive side, but definitely on the defensive side, he he would just get up in you, you know. Oh, so, sorry, I lied. It wasn't the the Celt- it wasn't the Lakers they were playing. They were playing the Seventy Sixers, and it was nineteen sixty five. I had to look that up. Right, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, John Havlicek is considered one of the greatest defensive ball players of all time. Um, he's ranked up there. I mean, a, a, many, many people will say Bill Russell up there. Um, got so many great defensive players, you know. Um, but, yeah, Havl- they say Havlicek is right up there at the top of the list. 
Yeah, he is one of them. Uh, but I want to describe the play a little bit better for the people that actually don't know. Uh, Philadelphia um, had put the ball in the hands of guard Hal Greer at the time. Greer first looked to Wilt Chamberlain, who was being guarded by Bill Russell, so his attempt to pass there was not open. Um, he then looked at the forward, Chet Walker, who was being guarded by Havlicek, who was actually playing a bit off. Um, Greer at the time thought it was a great uh, play for the open inbound. Obviously, there's a five-second inbound rule. Right. Um, but Havlicek was actually waiting for it, and then he um, he said he had actually counted down to four, and right when he got to four, that's when the paw came in. He actually uh, went towards it, poked it away, and then um, he deflected it towards Sam Jones, who was a Celtic. And then Sam Jones just dribbles it and passes it as he's about to get fouled. Fans roll to court as the buzzer sounds. So um, it gives him a win over the 76ers. Um, and they go on to the championship and obviously start one titles after one after another. Yeah. Yep, but no. Without without that steal, I mean the seventy um, sixers would have had a chance to shoot. Uh, they may have called a foul, got a foul drawn on them. So, I mean, maybe it was the seventy sixers win eleven championships with what Chamberlain. Yeah, I I, I mean I, you can't I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, because pretty much back then it was the Bill Russell Will Chamberlain show. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, next this one's a doozy. What if LeBron James chose New York? Sure, we can say jokes and snide comments and all that about LeBron James. He'll get out, you know, he'll get, he'll, you know, I'll, I'll get out of the way now. He'll, it says here, it says that he'll still be a bum choke in the fourth quarter, you know, be ringless, blah, 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 blah. Now, granted, this article was written in 2011, so over 10 years ago. So keep, keep that in mind. Now, the decision. I think we all remember the decision that LeBron James made. Okay, I'm taking my taking my challenge to South Beach. Yes, LeBron yes. is such a star, such a talented player that he had the ability to forever improve whatever franchise landed his talents. If he chose New York, it would have completely altered the NF the NFL the NBA. Leading the Knicks back to prominence <laughs> would have been the preferred route for Daniel Stern and Staten Islanders and Manhattanites of the sporting world, but it didn't happen. So let's just say Stern? hypothetically. What you, meant David Stern, not Dan- you meant David Stern, not Daniel Stern. Did I say Daniel Stern? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it that? Happens. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Stern on the mic is like, well, according to the – shut up, kid. You know, the whole, the whole Kevin McAllister thing. Anyway, no. LeBron James, let's say he did chose – to go to New York. Let's say he did choose to go to New York. How would the landscape of the NBA look at that point? Because, I mean, mean, we're we're going all the way back to, God, 2011 when he made the decision. Yeah, 2010-11. So if he did choose New York. If he did choose New York, it would have been him, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony and Chris Bosh on the same team. Do you think, okay, well, time out. Do you think Dwayne would have left Miami? Because yes. Dwayne had a good I, thing. I Dwayne so. had a good thing going in Miami. He already won a championship in 2006. Yeah, with Shaq. With, yeah, with Shaq. I mean, Shaq was still, I mean, I think Shaq was still there in 2010. He may have already left to go somewhere else. But, I mean, the the Miami Heat was still a team that were still, you know, in the mix in terms of, you know, all that. 
I think LeBron would have brought a whole lot more cachet to the Knicks franchise. And definitely, I mean, my God, Spike Jones, uh, Spike, Spike Lee would have been immediately like, hell yeah, we got, you know, we got King James. Hell yeah, we're going to win multiple, multiple championships. Um, that's weird. I mean, you've seen like the the mock-ups and the renders of LeBron wearing a Knicks jersey. Like yeah. looking at it now, it's almost comical in a sense because would he would he have actually made that team? I mean, obviously, I mean any team he went to, he would have made the team a better team just, you know, because he's he's LeBron James, he's one of the best players in the history of the game. And he wasn't even – I mean, you got to also think 2010, he was basically betrayed as the villain because he, quote-unquote, quit on, on on the Cleveland Cavaliers. He ran Dan out Gil- of they, Cleveland. They quit on him. They, they quit on him. No, Dan Gilbert quit on it. That's what I'm saying. They quit on him. The team the, – the front office quit on him by right. not drafting players that he wanted. He said he – we all know he would have stayed if they at least would have drafted another star. Once he left, they started like, oh, shit, we need to draft stars for our team. And guess what? You had stars on the team, and LeBron comes back and you win a title. Exactly. Well, oh, they had, shit. Well they, had, what well, they had one star. They had Kyrie. That was Two. it. Two. Kevin Love. Kev- no, no. Kevin Love was still in Minnesota. They got him after LeBron came back. Yeah, but they didn't. that's what I'm saying. He didn't win a championship. The stars got there when they won the championship because they didn't win until Kevin Love got there. That's true. But remember, he also took that uh, – LeBron also took that team with Kyrie Irving out and um, Kevin Love out and still played against the Warriors and was still giving him trouble yeah. with some with, with the only, quote-unquote, other star in that team being Deladova at the time. I'm saying if he would have went to New York, Dwayne Wade would have left. Oh, I, I, I 100% believe that. Because it, it would have been literally the class of – the draft class is 0304 together. Yeah. But you without Darko. Yeah, but but, yeah. <laughs> but but let me ask you something. Knowing what we know about Tim Dolan, do you really think that he would have made it the the LeBron James show in New York? You really think no you really think Tim Dolan would allow it to happen? Or James Dolan would allow it to happen? Yes. Why wouldn't he? Well, if we know anything about uh Jim Dolan, we know that he wants everything to be about him. I mean, he can because he could say he brought that team together. He was the one that made that happen. Yeah, but yeah, but then, but then, it'll be the same thing like it was in Chicago, where the general manager felt like you know he didn't get enough credit for putting the team together, and then he'll do what he can to do to break up the team. I mean, I understand that, but I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm not, not, not really trying to play devil's advocate. I'm just trying to look at it from all angles here. No, I understand, but think about the money that would have came in and how much more he would have been making. Well, I mean, it's not like New York isn't already the number one market. New yeah, York, but, I mean, you, Los Angeles, you know. Yeah, but think about the billboard in front of Madison Square Garden with LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh in a, in a Knicks jersey. Right. But then again, okay, let's just play the hypothetical. They win the championship. Let's just say, let's just say for argument's sake, just for the sake of argument, LeBron chooses – to go to New York. Yeah. And let's just say for whatever reason, they won the championship, whether it was against the Mavericks, whether it was against whoever it was that was over, that was one that was won the Western conference and not in, uh, in 2011 or whatever, who would get the credit? Would LeBron get the credit? Would Carmelo get the credit? Would Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosch get the credit? Like, would it be the a team? Front office. Would the front office get the credit though? 
it would be whoever took the last shot, the game-winning shot. That's who got the credit. And on that team, it could have been any of them. But exactly. But see, I kind of see. I, normally, I would agree. Oh, well, actually, I do agree with that in that perspective. But then again, you look at what happened in Cleveland with LeBron and Kyrie. Kyrie, uh, you know, LeBron chases down the chases down. I can't remember who he was chasing down. Got the block, threw it to Kyrie. It was Steph. Huh? It was Steph. yeah. He chased down Steph, got the block, tossed it over to tossed it over to Kyrie. Kyrie made the shot. More people give LeBron credit for the block than Kyrie making the shot. But we know that the block, they would have gotten the win. But if Kyrie, hear hear me out. If Kyrie, that's what I'm saying. Kyrie is in a lose-lose situation here, which I, which I understand, which I would understand if I was Kyrie, I would be a little bit frustrated with the situation too. If Kyrie misses that shot, he's blamed forever for missing the shot. If Kyrie, if Kyrie makes the shot, he doesn't get the credit for making the shot because in order for him to make the shot, LeBron had to get the block. So he's damned if he does and damned if he don't. You make it, you don't get credit. You miss it, you get all the blame. But here's the thing. He got the credit by the people that matter, and that's the people in the locker room because LeBron didn't need to actually give him the ball. He could have passed it to anybody else on that team, but he trusted him enough but, to take but, the shot. Okay, let's just say you were – okay, so let's say you were Kyrie for a second. Would it not at least – upset you that everybody else that the fans will say hi ah, the only reason why you made that shot is because lebron got it to you you know without lebron you ain't shit like that would fester in your head wouldn't it well i don't think they said that he wasn't shit without lebron getting the block i mean but the thing is without lebron getting that block they wouldn't have gotten the shot regardless i understand yeah no matter no matter who took that last shot yeah whether it was Kyrie or kevin love or J.R. Smith, I'm a Shumpet. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it was. Without that block, they would have been down by three instead of winning. No, that I understand, and that that I and, and I agree with that. LeBron LeBron's block definitely helped, but Kyrie made the shot. So maybe 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 we should say Kyrie, good on you, man. Congrats, you made the shot. Hell yeah, awesome. Instead of man, that was a damn good block by LeBron. You see how he run him down, and Kyrie sitting here like, the fuck am I? Chop liver. You you know like I don't I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm the type of person that like I want to like if if it's a team play to me that's it's your team play. it's your LeBron biasy. No, again, I have no hatred whatsoever for LeBron James. I'm just thinking share the fucking credit, share the wealth a little bit. That's all I'm saying. The thing is, is it's it's the the fans that say that LeBron gives Kyrie the credit. Uh, the players give Kyrie the credit. You know, LeBron says, yeah, I got the block, but Kyrie made that shot. Right. Not it, It's the fans. It, it's it's the, the LeBron James fans. Right. That, are, that, that say, uh, well, without LeBron, Kyrie wouldn't have been able to make that shot. Right. You know, it, it, and it's not all of NBA fans because there are the ones like us who aren't, I mean, we we respect LeBron for for what he does, but we're you know we're not going around sucking LeBron's dick, saying you know with, without LeBron nobody's winning championships or whatnot. Right? Because if that was because if that was the case, LeBron James would be what a ten and zero in the finals. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because the same shit you can say about LeBron is the same shit people down Jordan for is the same thing you can down LeBron for too. You know, but. I mean, we always say it. One player doesn't win championships. Exactly. So, it is a team 
It's not golf. Right. I no, I agree 100%. And that was my whole and that was my whole issue about a year or so ago with old good old Uncle Shay Shay. I'm like, "Bro, it takes a team to win, you know? Like, why are you giving one, just one person credit, you know?" But now, granted, and he was like, you know, well, you know, and I know people was like, well, well, Michael Jordan wouldn't have won without Scotty or Rodman or Steve Kerr. Yeah, I agree with you. Jordan says it too. Right. He said it in the last yeah. documentary. He said he wouldn't have won championship. There would be no Jordan without Scotty Pippen. Right. He literally said that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like the great players always know that the teammates make them better. Right. Exactly. I mean, you can be the greatest player of all time and not do shit. Yep. If your team is shit, you will still be on a shitty team. Yep. Exactly. Why do you think so many people, once they get out of their rookie contracts, they want to go somewhere where they have a chance to win championships? That's I mean, why right Anthony now, Davis isn't in New Orleans anymore. I mean, the greatest example right now is the Damian Lillard situation. Exactly. You One know, of the greatest players great right he, now. <laughs> right. As great as he is, they're not going to win a championship because that front office, for whatever reason, refuses to put role players around him that are good enough to, you know, defend and make shots. But do you also think that Damian Lillard doesn't want to leave because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be perceived as a sellout? Saying that, you know, like, I, you know, I left it, you know, it, maybe, I don't know, maybe if it's a mental thing for him or maybe if it's like a moral thing or something that this was the team that drafted me, I have to remain loyal to him and, you know. I mean, that he said that, like, they, that's his team that gave him the chance and that's who he was staying with. And they gave him a max contract, so, I mean, hey – you give me all this money, can't really say no to you. Right. But, hell, it's the NBA. People get out of max contracts all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, he he is the number, he's the number one guy on the team. He's always going to be an all-star player. I mean, the only thing is they've, maybe. They've been to the playoffs, what, every year? Every year, year like once or twice. Once a time. Right. And, and they made it to the Western Conference Finals once, right? Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if, I mean, they have, they still have CJ McCollum. They have some players around them. You know, CJ McCollum's really the only guy around him. Everybody else is just, I mean, they're good role players, but they don't have their depth is horrible. Like there's yeah. the main issues that their depth is super horrible. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. Although, if LeBron did go to New York, I mean, you people would be dreaming LA versus New York almost every single year because that would probably end up being because I think I think the one thing that was disappointing about LeBron going to Miami or going to New York or whatever people never got a chance to see Kobe versus LeBron in the finals because you know they never got a chance to see Kobe against my which Stephen A. Smith said it on first take all the time. He goes, I just want to be I just want the finals to be in La La and South Beach because he wanted to be on the beach because, you know, that's that's the Stephen A's flavor, I guess. But I mean New York and LA, the Knicks versus LA with Kobe on the Lakers team and LeBron on the New York team. Who could you imagine those buy rates and those viewership numbers? Man, everybody be making bank. Yeah. Uh and speaking of of Dame Lillard They've made the playoffs all but one year. Yeah. His first year. Okay. All right. Uh, Rod, you got the next one, Bubba? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> um, don't want to put any pressure on you or anything. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, no, the next one is, what if Magic Johnson had never publicized contract in HIV? Uh, if he did that, he'd be the biggest dick in the world. 
Right. Um, but no, uh, on the court, Johnson is one of the all-time best. Um, in 1991, that's how the world perceived him. Then came his November announcement. It shocked. It astounded. It became a moment that transcended sports and made him more than just a superlatively talented player. Johnson opened up to everyone about HIV. He became the face of the movement. He changed perspectives. He became an icon and a role model for those around the world dealing with, with and affected by HIV and AIDS. He has a torch. He was a torchbearer on a taboo and scary subject that needed to be brought to light, and it definitely brings up questions about his own career in society if he stayed silent. Uh, again, like you said, if he stayed silent, he he would be a complete dick. Um, now. There is the the what if, you know, what if he let the NBA and all the players know, but didn't, you know, publicize it to the the mass media, um, you know, but the, I mean, maybe he could have still played basketball, maybe not. You know, he did come back and play in the Olympics on the, the 92 Dream Team. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he had not, you know, publicly came out about getting the hiv virus um I, I think that we would still be um you know we'd probably be decades behind in knowing about the virus because he literally became the spokesperson for it yeah it was it was something that shocked like shook the core of not just the nba but sports in general even the world in general because it was okay this this HIV virus, this virus that affects, which at that time they, they said, oh, well, HIV only infects, you know, the homosexual men, or it only affects, you know, people who were drug addicts, or it only affected people in, you know, you know, you know, disenfranchised areas and things of that nature. Like, but no, somebody who was as big as Magic Johnson was someone who, was one of the biggest names at the time in the history of the NBA. It opened a lot of people's eyes and it showed people that anybody can contract this disease. Well, yeah, because prior to this, it was like you said, it was homosexuals, drug users, and uh, black men. Yeah. Now, Magic Johnson is a black man, of course, um, but he was. Uh, neither homosexual nor a drug user. Right. I mean, it definitely, like I said before, I mean, it shook the, it shook everybody to their core where I can't remember who it was that said it, but they something to the effect of like, oh, I'm not playing with Magic Johnson. I don't want to get AIDS or something along. I can't remember exactly who the player was that said that, but it was something along those lines. And then I remember one thing. Um, did you guys ever actually watch the 30 for 30 documentary, the announcement? Yes. Yeah. It's been a bunch of years, but yes. Yeah. I mean, that told, I mean, that told in very good detail um, about what magic had to go through even after the fact. And everyone believed, okay, magic Johnson, you know, has HIV. This is a death sentence. He'll be dead within two years. Here we are in the year 2021 and magic Johnson is still alive. Um, Now, granted he did have the money to afford the medicines and, you know, you know, the retrovirals and things of that nature. So he's able to live with HIV in a sense, you know, he has a, it's, it's different. And then there's a lot of people 
on the more conspiracy theory side that believe that Magic Johnson never had HIV and that it was all a play to bring awareness to it because he was such a big name in the NBA. I'm not going to go that far with it. And people do have videos that explain, you know, you know, like why they think he actually never had it because, oh, he didn't lose any weight. He still stayed in top notch shape and things of that nature. Well, I mean, when you have money, money buys options, you know. Um, so he was able to, you know, afford the the retrovirals and he was able to afford the care that he was able to be given, you know. And the fact the fact that, you know, Magic Johnson is still being alive today, a lot of people say, see. See, if he really had HIV, he would have already be dead. He would have he would have died 10, 12 years ago or whatever, you know. So there are the people there are those people who are on the more conspiracy theory side about HIV, you know. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I mean that's just what I've, you know, seen. I mean I wasn't even born yet when it happened. Um so and I didn't get into basketball until later on, so I didn't have, I didn't really know about it. Like from people, I had to go back and like see all the stuff that happened. Right. Um. I mean, it's just one of those things that since I was around then, I didn't know about it without like no, unless I had somebody that like was a Lakers fan and being in New York at the time, definitely nobody was a Lakers fan. So, hmm. um, no, it, like I had to go back and then I like found out about it, and then I watched the Thirty for Thirty, and I was like, yo, this is definitely not what I had actually thought was like his, like I didn't expect him to have like a giant pest conference or anything for it and then do what he did and everything. But no, like if he wouldn't have like done what he did, who knows how far we would have progressed with the perspective of HIV in general and also how much money he's put into like developing cures and everything for it. So who knows? Like this is one of the worst, what if situations there probably could be. Right. Definitely. Oh, my back. I'm getting old. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> All right, Chip, you got the next one, Bubba? Uh, I do. Um, so what if Willis Reed had not played in game seven? Mm. <clears throat> so whenever a player gets hurt in the NBA Finals and comes back, even if it's a little boo-boo that a, a children's side Band-Aid can make all better, some members of the media will blow their intelligence gaskets and reference Willis Reed. All right. Expected not to play because of a severe hip injury. Reed came back in 1970s game seven for the Knicks and helped the team to victory, which is, which in turn helped aid the New York or helped add to New York's vaunted reputation as a hollowed franchise, even though they've been terrible for such a long time now. <laughs> That's the last time they did anything relevant. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. See, that was 19. Okay, so what was the uh, what was the finals that year in 1970? It was the Knicks and who? Who? <laughs> That's my good buddy. 1970 finals? Uh, the Lakers. Hmm. Was it a, let's see, was it the good, was it, so I'm assuming it was Wilt. Magic hadn't got there yet. So. The MVP was Willis Reed. Lakers were Jay West, Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor. 
Um, but they played against Willis Reed, uh, Walt Frazier, and Bill Bradley. So, I mean, it was pretty even overall. Mm. Um, and it came down to, obviously, Game 7. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, he had a hip injury. He had a thigh injury and a torn muscle. Mm. And still played Game 7. Wow. He set out. He set out game. No, he suffered an injury in game five, and set out six. Yep, and then played game seven. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I mean the argument could be said if he hadn't come back for game seven, then uh, the Lakers would have won that championship. Yeah, that means so Jerry West would have had a championship. He played defense on Wilt Chamberlain and limited him to two shots made in nine attempts. Wow. Um, the Knicks at the... So he left the game for good at the end of... With 3.05 left in the first half, Knicks were winning 61-37. to Good Lord. Uh, Walt Frazier... Or, uh, yeah, Walt Frazier finished with 36 points and 19 assists. The Knicks won one thirteen to ninety nine. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, you know, Willis Reed could have been the ultimate difference maker when it came to that series, you know. And a lot of, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was considered. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, was you know inducted in the Hall of Fame back in nineteen eighty two. Um. You know, and he really did establish himself as being the guy for the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, like what we said earlier, it's been 1970, and here we are in the year 2021, and the Knicks are horrible. You know, still to this day, you know, maybe they should have, maybe they should have, uh, you know, took a chance on LeBron. Um, but yeah, definitely a you know a step in the you know coming back. I mean, anytime. I mean, because we we've we've all had those you know, teams that would, you know, player goes down and it's like, okay, next man up, you know, it's always next man up, you know, like, you know, what are you going to do from here at this point? Then have that player come back. And sometimes it works like in the case of Willis Reed. And then it, sometimes it doesn't work. Like, you know, Kevin Durant a couple of years ago when we, he thought he'd come back and then he ended up fucking himself up again with another injury. So, you know, hell, he just got hurt the other night, by the way. Um, you know, so uh, the Nets' big three are all hurt. Yeah. <clears throat> so, would you say I mean, the Nets' big four because one of them had to retire, or or five? What about Blake Griffin? I mean, his knees work half the time now. Yeah. Right. But, but <laughs> Durant, Durant, uh, Irvin, and Harden are all hurt, and um, uh. James Harden is out indefinitely with a because um, he forced uh, himself too hard. Yeah, hell, everybody's got Philly coming out of the East anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, them and Toronto are always the top two right now, right? Right, and you still got to worry about Milwaukee. So, yeah, except Milwaukee does the thing Milwaukee does and choke because he can't play defense for too long. There you go. All right, yeah, get Giannis some help. Yep, and get him a jump shot. <laughs> right. All right. Um. Let's see. Next, we have. Be me. I'm sorry. What, what was that? Should be me. No, you got the last one. I got. I got. I got this one. 
because Chip just read the one about Willis Reed. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Well, you get to end it. You started and ended. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> the next one. <laughs> so the next one we're gonna talk about if is what if Lynn Bias did not overdose? Hurts my soul. One of the all-time sports tragedies, no doubt. There has been a mirage, a mirage of stories and biographies and documentaries dedicated to Lynn Bias, the super talented second overall pick by the Boston Celtics who died two days after the 1986 draft from a cocaine overdose. They all cover it well, are in-depth, and are scrupulous with details of what could have been. College star of Maryland, lottery pick, then nothing but sadness and forever lingering thoughts about how far Bias's talent had the ability to take him. ESPN did a 30 for 30 many, 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 many years ago called Without Bias, which is basically talking about this particular incident. Um, Roger, you being the Boston Celtics fan that you are, um, would you care to elaborate on what you – I mean, obviously, this was 86. You wasn't born yet. Yeah, I, was say, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, but I mean, no, wasn't just born so- yet. But, you know, you, I mean, you just, being a Celtics fan. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, is. I mean, young prospects and obviously drugs back then – I mean, this is one of those things that was unfortunate. Um, he had the promise. He could have been one of the Celtics greats. Maybe we would have won some more titles because of him. Don't know. Can't say that for sure. Uh, I don't know. It's just a horrible thing. Even if he would have been drafted by any team, no matter what, it was, it was still a horrible situation that happened. Right. Chip, what say you both? Oh, I mean, he he definitely could have, you know, won the Lakers or not the Lakers, the Celtics. Sorry, Raj. Um, just just trying to do it won. right. Just trying to hurt yeah, me. Just, just trying to hurt. <laughs> me. Uh, he he could have won them some more championships. Um, but a a what if scenario? What if he comes to the NBA and flops? I mean, we that that the problem is is it's something we'll never know because he never got to play a game in the NBA in the NBA. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, that means- he was 22 years old uh, when he, uh, he died of a cardiac arrhythmia that was induced by a cocaine overdose. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm, if I'm reading this, it says that um, this, and this is just his college career. Um, he attended the university of Maryland as a freshman. He was viewed as raw and undisciplined, but ultimately bias developed into an all-star player or All-American player, I'm sorry. Um, in his junior year, he led the Atlantic Coast Conference in scoring and was named the ACC Player of the Year. His senior season was highlighted by his performance in the overtime victory against top-ranked North Carolina, in which he scored 35 points, including seven in the last three minutes of regulation and four in overtime. At the end of the year, Bias collected his second ACC Player of the Year award and was named a two-time All-American, two All-American teams. Bias impressed basketball fans with his amazing leaping ability, his physical stature, and his ability to create plays, and was considered one of the most dynamic players in the nation. By his senior year, scouts in various National Basketball Association teams viewed Bias as the most complete forward in the class of 1986. Celtics scout Ed Badger called Bias an explosive and exciting kind of player and compared him to Michael 
Jordan. So there you go with that. So he was definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm going to say this is 86 too. So, I mean, it was only two years after Jordan. So, I mean, that comparison already. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, if, and I mean, he had the hype around him. I mean, he was definitely, he was the second overall pick in that draft. So if we're going to go back to the 1986 draft, the first overall pick was Brad Doherty, who now is the co-owner of NASCAR Cup Series team TJG Daltrey Racing, who played at North Carolina, um, and he was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and if you're looking through uh, in that same draft in that same draft class in 1986. Um, when Lynn Bias was taken second overall, um, let's see, Chuck Person was the fourth overall pick. Ron Harper was the eighth overall pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers, same team. Uh, John Sally was uh, the 11th overall pick, went to the went to the Detroit Pistons. Dale Curry, some of y'all may know him as Stephen Seth's daddy, um, played for the, uh, got drafted 15th overall. Um, as far as Hall of Famers go, uh, Dennis Rodman was the 27th overall pick. Um, uh, Jeff Hornacek was the second round, uh, 46th overall pick. Um, you know, so he was definitely in a pretty, you know, pretty good class. Um, unfortunately, you know, having the, uh, the overdose, you know, could the, could the, could the league, especially the Boston Celtics franchise look different because he came in in 86. So. What did the team look like in 1986? I mean, obviously, Bird was still there, obviously. Um, would he have been, let's see, 1986. Let me go ahead and click on that real quick. No, I don't want the 2021 season. It was Danny Ainge, Larry Bird, Rick Carlisle, Dennis Johnson, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. It was the same championship team. Okay, so they would have just added yeah. – another dynamic player that could have made them just as good. And the chemistry I'm sure would have, you know, been good. I mean, he would have been on the tree of Larry Bird, Dennis Johnson, Robert Paris, Danny Ainge, and Kevin McHale. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the knowledge that he would have gotten, you know, would have been great, you know, man, it's such, I would say out of all the ones that we've talked about, this one is definitely the saddest one. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you've never actually seen the 30 for 30 documentary without bias, Go check it out. I mean, it's it's good. It's thoughtful. It it, it helps break it down, and um, you'll cry. You you will cry watching this documentary. Um, yeah. Um. So so real quick, uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about um the the circumstances leading uh or surrounding his death. So um, as we know, on June seventeenth, he was selected by the Boston Celtics as the second overall pick in the eighty sixth draft. Um, he and his father actually drove, or I'm sorry, flew um, to the draft that uh, it was held in Madison Square Garden. Um, and uh, he met with um, coaches and management and actually um, a representative for Reebok where he had a deal on the line for a five-year endorsement package worth 1.6 million dollars now that's a shit ton of money 
in 86. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but yeah, <laughs> you, think, you know, just, just think $1.6 million in 1986. I mean, that kid is set for life. Right. Um, however, after returning home to Maryland, he drove to the campus of the university of Maryland, left campus at approximately 2 AM on June the 19th and drove to an off campus gathering returned to his dormitory between 2.30 and 3 a.m. For the next three to four hours, Bias and longtime friend Brian Dribble snorted cocaine in the dormitory suite shared by Bias and his teammates. So for three to four hours, Whew. they were just snorting cocaine. That's that's a lot. Um, so uh, he reportedly had a seizure and collapsed while talking to teammate Terry Long. And at 6.32 a.m., uh, Brian Tribble called 911. Bias was unconscious and not breathing. All attempts by the emergency medical team to restart his heart and breathing were unsuccessful. After additional attempts to revive him at Leland Memorial Hospital in Riverdale, Maryland, Bias was pronounced dead at 8.55 a.m. of cardiac arrhythmia related to the uses of cocaine and it was reported that there were no other drugs or alcohol found in his system wow four days after he died more than eleven thousand people attended his memorial service on june 23rd at the coalfield house the university recreation and student center where bias played for the terrapins those speaking at the service included red arbach who said he had planned for three years to draft bias for the Celtics. And on June 30th, 1986, the Celtics honored bias with their own memorial service, giving his never used number 30 Jersey to his mother. So, yeah, it's sad, man. Yeah. 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 All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next one, Roger. You got the nap. We got the last one for the night. Um, yeah. So the last one is the big question everybody has asked for basketball, probably the biggest one, and that is, what if Jordan didn't retire to go play baseball? Um, the best way to address this is to simply answer a question with a question. How many more championships would he have won? When he stepped away in his prime of his career to play minor league baseball, there is no doubt Chicago would have had, had at least a couple more victory parades and cigar lighting parties had number 23 been around. What if he had stayed? What if he didn't chase his baseball desires in 93? I mean, he, he would have won. I, mean, I, I think he would have won. <laughs> there is a legitimate argument to be made that had he not retired, the Rockets would not have won their two in a row and the bulls would have won eight straight an unprecedented feat that no team has ever done i agree with that 100 percent. however i do think once again 1994 1994 the bulls I, I still believe that the bulls could have could have won that championship had that bogus call from hugh holland's not been called that allowed the knicks to go to the finals that year because I do think that that bullshit call wasn't made that it would have been Chicago and Houston and the outcome would have probably been in 
Chicago's favor because Scotty was playing lights out even without Jordan. But for the sake of the question, if Michael didn't retire, quote unquote retire, because really, I mean, you could make the argument that he was pushed out the door by uh, Ron Store. Ron Store didn't want to pay him. Um, uh, he was the general. I think he was the general manager at the time. Um, and a lot of people believe that you know. He went to baseball, you know, to chase his quote. I mean, yeah, he always wanted to play baseball ever since he was a kid. But yeah, I mean, a legitimate argument can be made, like what, like what you said. A legitimate argument can be made that if he'd have stayed, he'd have won eight straight, and that's hard to ignore. Raj, I mean, I I always think that they would just won the Jordan would have the eight titles. Um, it's I mean, it's hard to deny. I mean, I mean, the Rockets were great, obviously, but I don't think they would have been able to handle Jordan. They wouldn't have won those two titles. I mean, it's, it's the big what-if question that always will be asked. I mean, yeah, if there's any I mean, if there's any player – I mean, think about in, the, in today's day and age. Can any player in today's day and age take three years off, come back and win a championship? Um, I would say that argument could be made for LeBron. Yeah, he's he's the only one I can see making the argument for. But even then, Steph Curry. Well, yeah, maybe Curry. I would lean more toward LeBron than Curry, though. I mean, Curry's younger. Yeah. Well, yeah, Curry is younger. All right. All right. So, so let's okay. So let's do it this way then. It's say LeBron the same same age, exact same age. Okay. If whatever I don't, I don't know what how old Jordan was when he went in uh, in uh, ninety in ninety three. Um, well, he was just in eighty six, so it would have been seven more years in the league. He'd have been at least thirty. Been at least, okay, so let, let's just say thirty. Yeah. Okay, so he was he, he left the game when he was thirty, came back when he was thirty three, and won three championships. I think LeBron at thirty could do that, no problem. I don't know about today's LeBron with him being, even though he is, I mean, everyone calls him Iron Man, you know, because he's he's rarely hurt. He's probably the most durable NBA player in the history of the game. Um, although he has been nicked with a few injuries here and there. As a matter of fact, I think not last year, but the year before was the first time he ever had like a serious, serious injury. You know. So yeah, LeBron would probably be the only other one that I could see taking three years off and coming back and winning. Um, but could you imagine if Michael went somewhere other than Chicago when he came back? I mean, he did. He went to the Wizards. Yeah. I'm talking. No, no. I'm talking. I'm not talking about once he left. <laughs> I'm not talking about once he left Chicago the second time and then went to. I'm talking about like that first when he went to go when he retired to go play baseball. When he came back in that '96 season, if he played with somebody other than Chicago, that would be a different dynamic. Then again, where would he go? He pissed off so many people. I mean, Chicago is like the only place he can come to because, you know. I mean, Chicago is the only team that he would have gone back to. I mean, right. he's he's the old school mentality of playing your team for right. your whole career. Yeah. 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 Which is what which is which is why I kind of understand why Dame wants to stay in Portland. You know, he has that old school mentality, you know, stay with the team that drafted you kind of deal. You know. And if you think about it. If if the team stayed, like if certain, you know, like like how would the league look if like you stay with the team that draft you, you know, like if 
barring trades or whatever, like if if LeBron was still in Cleveland or if KD was still in Oklahoma City or if Kyrie was still in Cleveland, you know, or, you know, if James Harden was still, like, like where they were drafted, they were still there. Like how much different would the NBA landscape be, you know? So I don't know. It's weird things to think about. So, all right. So let me ask this question out of all the ones that we discussed tonight, which one, like, which question do you like ponder the most? Like, I mean, which one was like the one that was like, huh? Like which question interests you the most? I'll put it to you that way. Um, which one interests the most? Yeah, kind of like like the one that you would like contemplate. Like, I mean, the closest one in reality probably was LeBron going to New York. That and Jordan not retiring. Yeah, right. I mean, you can also make the case for Darko. Who? <laughs> I was waiting on it. <laughs> you know, like man, if the Pistons would have just drafted someone else. You know, because I, I still hold, I still, you know, hold the belief it didn't matter who Joe Dumars drafted, Larry Brown wasn't going to play him. But you know, that's just that, but that's just his old, that's just that old coaching style that he had. But whatever. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Something About Sports. Uh, anything you guys want to tell the fans before we get out here tonight? Um, as always, MovementRadio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things Movement Radio. And if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. We get nothing monetarily for it, but it helps get our podcast out with Apple's algorithm to a broader audience. Anything you want to talk about over on the Patreon channel there, Roger? I mean, as always, $1 goes a long way. Just a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. Think about that. You spend more on Netflix. Um, And... It helps get talent a new computer, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean we—that's where we're doing our our well, our rap rewind, um, Eminem's career, um, just anything pretty much hip hop is on there right now, uh, and we're probably gonna be putting up another series here soon once the summer starts. Yes, looking forward to a lot of those series. Um, also, give a couple of quick shout outs, real quick. Shout out to my good buddy Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training. Um, he wanted to let you guys know about this brand new deal that he's got coming out. If you sign up, you will get your first two weeks absolutely free. First two weeks of training, absolutely free. And in fact, he will prorate your very first month if you decide to continue with his training. He will prorate the first month and then you make the payments after the second month. Um, also, shout out to Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast. They got a lot of cool things going on over there. Shout out to my boy Ivan Montanez, a.k.a. Unleashed Demon. Follow him on Twitch.tv. Got a lot of cool stuff going up there. And um, once again, we cannot say this enough. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you guys for all the love and support that you've given the podcast over the last years. Um, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. That being said, we will see you guys next week on another edition of Something About Sports. Chip, let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. Patreon.com, movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan. Boom.